Okay, some homework first. Uh, anybody have, driving in re, uh, kind of maroon Nissan SUV? Uh, your lights are on. I'm sorry. So I don't have my jumper cable, so I can't jump you. So, uh, yeah. But that's all right. If you don't, and it's, and it's, just leave it out there. It's fine. Uh, might be one of our children's workers, and we never know. Uh, the second thing this morning is uh, if you did not pick up a bulletin this morning, uh, I need you to do something. Uh, everybody needs to have a copy of the bulletin of the message notes this morning. Even if you don't normally take notes, I need you to do something with them this morning. So you all need a copy. So our ushers are back there with a bunch of copies. So raise your hand if you don't have a copy. And I encourage you to get one because we're going to, this is something you want to participate in this morning. Okay, thank you. Everybody keep your hands raised up till somebody gets there to get you there. Uh, yeah, just keep your hands raised up. Okay. Okay, we'll give you a minute there to get all this. Okay, come on, iPad, work. There it goes. Okay, they're still they're running back to get more. Okay, grab bulletins too. Okay, they work too because they have them in there if you don't have enough. Okay, got some down here, got a few over here. There's one way back there. Okay, okay, keep your hands up. We'll, we'll get this done because you'll understand later why. Okay, there you go. Anybody else down here? You guys good? Oh, there's one right there. Okay, all the way at the back, back there on the left-hand side. Of the, well, my left, you're right. Okay. And uh, you'll need something to write with, too, obviously. So get that. Okay. We get, just keep your hand up and they'll get yours back there. We all good now? <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, Okay. You can borrow somebody else's pen. You don't need a whole lot. So anyway. Okay. Very good. Okay. Guys don't carry pens much anymore. Women carry them in their purse. So if you find a woman around that has a giant purse, just still or to crawl around in there and find it, you know. And, She'll be all right. Okay, I want to talk this morning as we get started uh, about something you all like. Uh, anybody like candy bars here? Anybody like candy bars? Okay. I, I bought a few this morning. I really didn't know what they were because uh, I asked my administrative assistant, Lisa, to uh, go out and purchase some this week. And uh, so she got, I told her, I didn't tell her what to purchase. And so I guess these are her favorites. I don't know. Uh, some of them were mine, you know. Uh, the first one here is a payday. Anybody like payday here this morning? Payday, okay. Payday. I don't know who do I want to do. Who do I want to? T- I don't know how far I want to toss this thing. Okay. Let's, okay. You know what? I will start over here. This morning, I was I was I was told that nobody on this side got there. So watch out here. There you go. Okay. There you go. Payday. Okay. Uh, hold on to me a minute. Okay. Uh, Milky Way. Anybody like Milky Way? Oh, okay. Right here. In the front. There you go. <laughs> okay. Okay, here's a Hershey's milk chocolate. Anybody like Hershey's milk chocolate? See, I'm 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 an equal opportunity person here. Okay, I'll go all the way back here. Here you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, then, oh, here's a good one. Twix. Twix. And it's a. Everybody throws their hand up. Oh, woo, woo. Okay. And this is a big one. Our secretary went out and bought giant ones. These are not little ones. This has got four Twix in it, so you can share with a bunch of friends. Okay? And you can do that. So right here, let's see how we do that. Oh, oh, okay. Everybody jumps for it. Okay. And I held off the last one because this is my favorite candy bar, Snickers. Anybody like Snickers? Okay, listen. I will see how far I throw this. Okay, here we go. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, you're going like, why in the world is the pastor giving out candy bars this morning? Well, I know it's in the morning and you guys need to wake up, okay? So I'm giving you some sugar. At least four or five of you will have some sugar and you'll be awake and you'll be all right. 
The reality is, is that and all those candy bars, they're different. They're wrapped differently. They have different, uh, you know, they look a little bit different when you open them up. But you know what the number one ingredient in all of them is? And don't say, no, don't say Jesus. I know we're in church. But uh, what's the number one ingredient in almost every candy bar? Sugar, sugar, okay, sugar, cocoa, nuts, you know, things like that. But sugar, almost the same. They all have this different wrapping, but generally speaking, the majority of candy bars we have are sugar. It's kind of like us this morning. We come here and we all wrap different. We have different clothes on. We have different shapes and sizes. We have different likes and dislikes. For instance, this morning, some of you, some of you, oh, it's football season. Let's talk about football for a minute. Some of you are Illini fans. Anybody here an Illini fan? Okay. I found out nobody's put pro fans in here. Last service, nobody raised their hands. You know, I'm like, okay. Illini fans. All I can tell you, Illini, you're in good shape next year. You've got a great running back that's going to be there, and he plays for Richwoods. Uh, so, so <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're at a game the other night, kid's good. Kendrick Foster. Woo. Um, I thought he was going to Michigan State. Carl was hoping, but he's not. He's going to Illinois. Uh, you know, anybody else? Uh, Michigan fans, Michigan State fans, Ohio State. Anybody else here? Iowa fans. Anybody? Oh, there's a few Iowa people here. Okay, Virginia Tech Hokies. Go Hokies. Yes, there we go. We got two of us here, my son and I. Okay. Okay, Alabama. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Who let you in? <laughs> Well, see, I'm from the East Coast, too. So Virginia Tech, you know, we're 14th ranked. Alabama's like two or something like that this, this year. So good. So anyway, you know, we have all these different likes and dislikes. We do. But, you know, there's one thing about all of us that I know it's the same. I can guarantee you that's the same. The one thing that all of us are the same, and you're going to like, oh, what a bummer. He's going to say this this morning. All of us are sinners. Let's, 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 let me just prove it. How many of you, since... You're going to prove yourself. How many of you, since you were born, have sinned at least one time? Okay, keep your hands up. How many of you have sinned at least a hundred times? You sinners, see? You just all sinners. You're all here. I'm glad you're here this morning. Okay, put your hands down. You know, I'm not going to keep going up to a thousand because we, after a while we just quit counting, you know. But the issue is, is that the Bible says that says this one thing about all of us, that all of us are sinners in need of a Savior. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And you're going like, well, what a bummer way to start this morning. But no, that's the best news you've ever heard. And we're going to talk about why that's the best news you've ever heard, not just being sinners, but sinners in need of a Savior. Because this morning I want to talk about uh, something that helps you to understand uh, how you can be sure, how you can be sure that, that the Bible says, how you can be sure that you're a follower of Christ and in Christ. Now, I want you to do something this morning. This is why you have the bulletin. Pull out the bulletin and get a pen or something. And what I want you to do in the upper left-hand corner of your bulletin, and, and uh, some of you won't do this because you just don't, you know, you're in school, and you're, you're in school, you, you wouldn't take notes either, so you're just going to be that way. So just in your head then, uh, you know, just, just think of a number. And I think, don't think of just any number, okay? I'm going to give you a scale. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being totally unsure, Ten being absolutely certain, respond to this, this next statement. How sure are you that your sins have been forgiven, that you are in right standing with God, and that you will spend eternity in heaven when you die? Let me read that once again. How many of you, how sure are you that your sins have been forgiven, that you are in right standing with God, that you will spend eternity in heaven when you die? One. Don't have a clue. 
Ten, absolutely sure, or somewhere in between. Write a number up the left-hand corner of your paper. And nobody else can see it. It's just for you. And do that. Okay, that shouldn't have been that hard, really. Now, I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you my agenda today, according to Scripture. The goal today is this for all of us. That before you leave this building this morning, that you will be either a ten, absolutely sure that you're in good standing with God, or that you'll know how to become a ten. One of those two things. That you're a ten or know how to become a ten. Because I believe, and and I'll prove it to you from Scripture today, that God wants us to know for certain. It's not like this kind of thing that we're guessing about. And so today what we're going to do is going to be real simple. I'm going to ask you three questions. And then I'm going to tell you some scripture that goes along with those questions and talk about some things to help us to understand this, this, this thing about how do you know that you can be a 10 and be in right relationship with God and that all your sins are forgiven and that you'll spend eternity in heaven when you die. The first question is this. Do I understand? Do I understand? Um, you know, when, a while ago I asked you to do this survey. You know, raise your hands about how many of you sinned. And I know some things, sometimes people go, you know, like, I don't mean to sin. I mean, how do I learn to sin? Did any of you learn have to learn to sin? No. Uh, how many of you have kids? Have you had kids? Yeah, i got kids. I've got grandkids now, too. Did you have to teach your kids how to sin? Okay, kids, we're going to learn sin 101. You know, when they were little, did you have a two-year-old come to you and go, Mommy and Daddy... I'm so concerned about you. You spend so much of your time on me. Please spend less time on me. No, what they do as little kids, I mean, they are like, ah! meet my needs. Clean the poopy diaper. You know, whatever it may be, that's the way kids are, right? It's all about them. And we were the same way when we were kids. You don't have to teach your kids how to sin, to be self-centered. Focus all on themselves. We just come into the world that way. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, it says this in the New Living Translation, for everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And what is God's glorious standard? It's Jesus Christ. That's the standard. That's God's standard for what it means to be uh, perfect in, in this world. We See, the problem is so often we have this problem in identifying our own sin, and we have no problem identifying other people's sin, do we? You know, I, you know we see somebody, and, and, and we have that issue. So this morning, what I want you to do is I want you at the very bottom of your outline there, there's, there's that verse out of Romans 3.23, but it has a blank. You see that? And it says, for blank has have sinned and falls short of the glory of God. I want you to put your name. On mine, it says, for Bill White has sinned and falls short of God's glorious standard. Because I want you to make this personal this morning to us. Because we need to understand something about the seriousness of sin in our life. That's the first thing I want us to understand. Are we, do we understand? Let me ask you a question. Okay, in a few weeks, we're going to start the... the, the the story, and we're going to start in Genesis. And in Genesis, there's a story of this of, of Adam and Eve, and it starts off with their separation of creation and their separation from God. How many sins did it take for Adam and Eve to be separated and to be driven out of the garden? How many sins? One. One sin. Just one sin to separate them to become imperfect and not have a relationship with a perfect God. Just one sin. 
Sin is a big deal to God. Do you get that from, from, from Genesis to starting at the very beginning of the Bible? And it talks about that over and over and over again in Scripture. But people all the time, they try to downplay their sin because they have these objections. And I've heard these objections many times. The first objection is this, is this one. Well, I'm not that bad. You know, I'm not really a big sinner. I'm, I'm not that bad. You know, the, the reason we think that's because we compare ourselves to our bankrupt um, the alcoholic brother-in-law. We do. I mean, we compare ourselves to the lower standard we can think of. Uh, it might not be that. It might be somebody else you got in your mind right now, you know? I mean, like yesterday, I, I ran a 5K here to church. Anybody else here run 5K this, yesterday? Okay. I knew some of you did. Okay. And, you know, and, and I could compare myself to the guy that won the race. Oh, my gosh. This guy ran a 5K to warm up for the race yesterday. Literally. And then he goes out and runs it 18 minutes and something. 5K. I mean, that's pretty fast. But I don't compare myself to him because I know that if I compare myself to him, that I will never measure up. But I do compare myself to Steve Lambios, okay? You know, why? Because Steve and I are in the same age division. I don't know how you made it, Steve. You don't look like you're 50, okay? Okay, but Steve's here this morning. Okay, I told him I was going to do this, so I got permission, kind of. Uh, but you kind of. But Steve and I ran in the same age division. I don't know. The first time I've ever run a race in my life, 58 years old, okay? And the thing is, is that, okay, so we ran. Steve said he ran last year, so he's one year ahead of me, you know, in, in progression here. And he, he beat me. You know, he did beat me. He's eight years younger. He does, like, P90X stuff. He's, like, you know, he does all kind of workout stuff. He's really, he plays the bass up here a lot and does, you know, he's really, that's why I don't think he looks like he's 50 years old. Because I don't look like I'm 58 either, right? You know, tell me that, okay? Make me feel good. And, uh, but the issue is, is that Steve and I ran in the race. He came in first place in our age division, 50 to 59. And I asked him, I said, Steve, I said, what is your time? He said, well, it's 30, 30 minutes plus a few seconds. And I ran in 32 plus a few seconds. And I'm going like, Steve, you're going down next year. That's what I told you, right, Steve? And I said, you know, next year I'm going to run it. My goal is, and he, and he said, well, I'm going to run faster next year. I said, okay, so my goal will be 28 minutes next year. And he's going like, yeah, sure. <laughs> See, I can compare myself to Steve because at least I'll look close, you know. But then I looked in the, looked in the goal, like, you know, I never would compare myself to Mo Farah. You know who Mo Farah is? Did you watch the Olympics this year? Did you see the 5,000 meters, the 10,000 meters? Anybody watch the Olympics this year? Nobody did? We're not Olympic watchers. I watched every day. I love the Olympics. It was a great story. Mufar, he was, he was, uh, he's this guy from Somalia originally. He was a refugee. He came to Great Britain. And as he came to Great Britain, he, he was practicing there. He became one of the top uh, ranked uh, distance runners, middle distance runners. In the, I can't call it 5,000 and 10,000 middle distances, though. But anyway, in the world. And then he comes to the United States this last year, and he, and he practices with a, a guy from Oregon who is the top, one of the top runners in the world. And they end up winning. Uh, Mo wins first place in the 10,000 meters, and, and this American wins second place. And then he goes and runs the 5,000 meters, and he wins the 5,000 meters also. And I'm going like, okay, you know, I can compare myself to Steve because Steve and I are, you know, he's a, he's a little faster than me, but I think I can do it. But you know what? Mo Farah ran in the Olympics the 5,000 meters? 13 minutes. In 40 seconds. He ran 10,000 meters, Steve, faster than re ran 5,000 meters. He ran it in 27 minutes and 30 seconds. I'm going like, that is insane. I would never compare myself to him. 
to see, you know, we always compare ourselves to people that we can think we can, or usually I would be like, you know, my goal yesterday was not to be totally embarrassed and at least beat half the kids that are seven and under. And I reached most of my goal because some seven-year-olds will still beat me. There's some amazing kids out there that can run like crazy. See, the problem is, is that when we say, oh, I'm not that bad, it's because we, go, we compare ourselves with the wrong standard. What does it say? We fall short of what? The worst person we can think of? No, we fall short of God's glorious standard, Jesus Christ. The second objection I hear oftentimes is this, well, I've done some good stuff. Doesn't that count for anything? You know, it's like we have this ledger sheet and we think because, you know, you know, I've done some good stuff. You know, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I really appreciated it. I was out eating dinner and, and my wife and I for um, on my birthday and, and, um, and when a couple from our church was there and they just left and, and when I left, they left and after they left, somebody came to me and the waitress came to me and said, hey, uh, your bill has been taken care of. You need to actually eat some more food because it's got more than what you got on your, you know, there. And I'm going, yes. Dessert, you know, and I'm going like, oh, blessed are you among all people, you know. And I'm going, that's really cool. That was good works in my book. But I hate to tell them this, and I I think they know this already, but that's not what get them into heaven. Because it's not how many good works you do. Because, you know, in Scripture itself, it says this about our good works in Isaiah 64, 6. It says, all of us has become like one who is unclean. And all of our what righteous acts or like filthy rags. Now, I could go into some depth this morning and gross you totally out by telling you what that literally means in Hebrew. But I won't. But let me tell you, if you can think of the dirtiest, nastiest rags you can think of, that's what it's talking about. It says our righteous acts, not our bad stuff, our righteous acts compared to God's perfection is like dirty rags. That's what it is. Because it says basically that we're all infected and impure with sin. And when we display our righteous deeds, they're just coming from a sinful place. See, the best we can do does not bridge the gap between God and us. The best we can do. It just doesn't measure up. And so why is it so important to understand the seriousness of our condition apart from Christ? Because it says a little bit further, you know, in in Romans, Romans 6.23, it says this. For the wages... Of sin is what? Death. You know what that means? He said, we're all going to die. Yeah, we're all going to die physically. That's talking about, the the Greek word there means eternal separation from God. Spiritual death. The wages, that which we we get paid for, what we deserve for for our sin, one sin or a hundred sins or a thousand sins, is separation from God. That's what we deserve. So the second question is this then, am I forgiven? Am I forgiven? I cannot tell you how many times that people stumble in this area because they say to me, they say, well, pastor, you know, God couldn't possibly forgive me for that. And then they'll tell me some story. They will. I've heard, I cannot tell you. I mean, I have heard probably over 30 years of ministry, every possible story you can, I don't know if you could tell me anything that would surprise me. There was something in somebody's past. And they're going, God couldn't possibly forgive me for that, could he? And then, then, you know, and I go back to Romans 3.23. It says, for everyone has sinned and falls short of the God's glorious standard. You know, and it it says, if he gave us what we deserved, what will we deserve? Eternal separation from him. But then in verse 24, 
Verse 24 of Romans 3, it says this, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. See, God knew that we couldn't traverse the chasm between us and him. And so he says, okay, I know that you can't do it, that all, even your righteous stuff, the thing, good things you do because they come from a place that's not pure, that they were like filthy rags. I know that you can't do enough good stuff because you sin, and there's this chasm between me and you. And so what I'm going to desire, do is with my undeserved kindness, I'm going to declare that you are righteous. And he does it through Jesus Christ, he says, upon a cross. And then in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, I could have picked dozens of scriptures today that prove this. But Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14 says this about, about this as well. He says, you were dead because of your sins. You were dead because of your sins. And let's go back to the good works thing. You know something I found? I've done over 300 funerals in my ministry as a pastor. That's not something that I, you know, like, oh yeah, 300 funerals. You know, I've done a lot of funerals. Had a lot of sad times. And I don't say this lightly, but I've never had a dead person get up out of the coffin and do any work after they're dead. Not one time. Can't do it. And that's what it's saying here. It says, you were dead because of your sins. You were spiritually dead because of your sins. There's nothing, no work that you can do that would cause you to be made right with God. That's what it's saying. And it says this. He says, you were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet been cut away. But then it says this, then God made you alive with Christ. Then God, he decided, made you alive with Christ. And this is what it says. Now, the next part is very important. Underline it if you have a Bible or, or circle it or something. For he forgave how many of your sins? All your sins. Now, we don't understand this so often because we think about it means everything in the past. But you know what it's talking about here in the Greek and in, 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 the, in the verbiage here? What it's talking about, it's talking about not just the things that we've done in the past, but when we accept Christ and when we say yes to him, I'm a sinner, I need you, God, to be my Savior. He forgives us our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. You're going like, how can he do that? Well, how can he do it anyway? I mean, it's not just about what you've done. It's about what he's done on a cross for you and for me. And I have people all the time saying, well, you know, I've, I've been a Christian and I said yes to Jesus and I meant it a long time ago. But then I go through this period in my life where I really didn't follow God very well. Do I have to become a Christian all again? And I'm going, no. Because it wasn't you that made you a Christian. It was your saying yes to Jesus and he did it all on the cross. And he forgave you. And if you really meant it then, when you, when, you, when you ask him into your heart, he forgave you your past, your present, and your future. But so often we get all hung up with that and we think, well, I have to do this, I have to do this. No. Scripture is pretty clear about this. Not pretty clear. It's, it's crystal clear about this. And then it says the last part of the verse, then God made you alive with Christ, forgave your heart sins. Then it says this, he canceled the record of the charges against us past, present, and future, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. By nailing it to a cross. That's what he did for you and for me. Are you forgiven? Can I be forgiven? Yes! Don't care what you've done. God says in his word that he can forgive you. 
Past, present, future. So what did the cross accomplish for us? And well, in Titus 3, it says this. It says, but when God, our Savior, revealed this kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, going to those filthy rag things again, you know. But because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And because of his grace, the word grace means undeserved, unmerited favor. He declared us righteous and gave us confidence, confidence that we will inherit eternal life. The last question is this, am I sure? Can I be sure? Am I sure? Am I sure? You know, there's some things in life that I am absolutely certain about. I will never forget September 26, 1982. It was the birth of our first child. I was there. Y'all remember the birth of your first child? Those of you who've been there, guys, you've been there? You, you didn't pass out or anything, you know? Birth of your first child. I remember that. And I remember before the birth of my first child, Kara, our daughter, um, uh, who's a lovely lady today? Somebody said I didn't say that first service, and I'm going like, okay, you'll understand in a minute. Um, <laughs> I remember going in there, and I remember everybody gives you advice. You know, everybody's had a baby has advice, you know? And they'll say things like, oh, you'll be this great, whatever. And then they'll say, oh, and somebody told me, it's the most beautiful thing that you, that's ever happened in your life. They lied to me. Because I was there when she came out. And I looked at Vicky and I thought about saying, I didn't say it to her, and I'm going like, we just birthed E.T. Because if you've been there for a baby, they're not the most beautiful thing in the world. I mean, her head, it was, my wife had 26 hours of hard labor. Okay, bless her heart. And she, somebody told her the next baby's going to be easy. Yeah, I was only 25. Okay, uh, but the issue, she had a, and so when Kara comes out, you know, she's, she's had this kind of flattened, crushed head, you know, with kind of, you know, how babies' heads are. She was all slimy. I'm going like, oh, it's awful. <laughs> you know, and later on, after they cleaned her up, and a few days later, after her head, you know, gets back in shape, she looks but beautiful, but she didn't look beautiful when she was born. Anybody that tells me their baby is beautiful when it's born are just lying. I've been there for a bunch of babies. I mean, not right then, but, you know, right after. I remember that date, though. I remember not only September 26, 1982, but I remember July 2nd. When was it, Keith? 1988. When my son was born. Okay. Yes, I was there, too. Okay. And you were, you look like DT also. Okay. <laughs> but the issue is, is that, you know, we remember that. You know, other day I had to fill out some forms. You know, you're always filling out forms, and one of the first things they ask you on any form is what? Your birthday. Okay, right now on your, I just want to get, see a test. I'm going to see how hard this is. Everybody on your bulletin somewhere, write down your birthday. Write it down, right now. Just write it down, your birthday. I'm watching. I'm watching. You know something I'm noticing? Not one of you turn to somebody else and ask you, when was I born? You all know your birthday, don't you? You know? You know your birthday. It's ingrained in your memory. I mean, and now, guys, I know this next one's going to be a little harder, but it's not hard for your wives. I don't know why. And I have to, and I'll tell you how to fix that in a minute. But the issue is, how many of you remember the day you were married? Okay. August 4th, 1979. I know that's a long time ago, but that's when we were married. 
We were only 12. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you can't remember, do what I did. Engrave it inside your ring. That way, if you have a mental block, you just pull it out and look at it. The problem is, is as you get older, you can't see it anymore, so you can't really read it. <laughs> Some of you are going like, yeah, the women are going to yell. <laughs> but, you know, I do remember that day. I remember it's an important date. I, I don't, I, nobody asked me when you were married, and they're going like, well, I've always been married. That doesn't work, does it? You know, it's kind of dumb. I also remember another date. And I don't remember the exact date. I remember the month and the year. It's February of 1968. On February of 1968, I was 14 years old. And I'd gone to a Christian concert with a bunch of students from a school, Mars Hill College, in North Carolina. And they'd come to our area. At the end of that concert, they asked for people who wanted to follow Christ. to, to And they explained to, to us what it is to follow Christ. And that, that was the day that I became sure that I was in Christ, that I was, I can answer a 10 from that day forward, a 10. I'm absolutely sure that I'm in Christ because I did what the Bible said. I trusted in what it said. And so when I take this, and I've wrote, written it down on here already, my spiritual birthday, February 1968, I encourage you right now to do something. Write down on that line. If you know, you may not know the day the exact date like I do. You may not even know. It might be spring of some year. But do you know, write down if you have a spiritual birthday on that line right there, right now. Do that right now. And I want to tell you that, you know, when I, when I take and when I, when I do that, this is something I go to the bank with because of what Scripture says. And I can take it, and I can, I'm going to tell you that, you know, I trust in what Jesus did on the cross. And so, it's certain in my life. I believe it's absolutely certain. And I'm going to tell you why from Scripture. I can be absolutely certain. You know that the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus, God wants us to know exactly that we're saved. And he wrote a whole book of the Bible just for that purpose. At the end of 1 John, the, the, the letter of 1 John, chapter 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. I write these things to you, all the stuff that just, I just wrote in 1 John. I write all these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not so that you may guess, not so that you may have this, this kind of hope, so that you may know. So if you don't believe me, go back and read 1 John, the letter of 1 John. Not John, but the letter of 1 John. But also there's, a, there's, a, there's two verses in Romans that also kind of wrap it up in a really simple form. And it says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says this about how do we can know. It says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it say? What does it say? You will be saved. And I want to tell you emphatically in Scripture, that's exactly what it means in the original language. Greek is a very, very precise language. I studied it. I don't remember a lot of it, but I studied it when I was in seminary. And I know what this means here. It, says, it means without a doubt you will know that you were saved. If you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. So it says this, for it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. 
It is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Jesus says to you and to me, you can know for certain, you can be a 10. If you'll just confess with your mouth, number one, you've already done it. You've already said to all of you, raise your hands and I'm a sinner. I did it. I mean, we said that. And if you didn't say that, I guess you, you sinned then. If you didn't raise your hand when I asked that, you, you're a sinner. Because the Bible says that all of us are sinners. Every one of us. But that's not bad news because God has paid the debt. He says, so you confess that. And then you confess also to him what it says in Scripture, that you can't do anything. Your good works are not good enough to get you right with God. And so you need something. You need a Savior. And so you, you first confess and then you Believe in your heart. That means, and when it says the words there, believe in your heart, does not, doesn't mean just believe with your head. It means you believe so much that it goes from here, from here to here, and it changes not, who, not just what you think about, but what you do in life. When you say, I believe something with all of my heart, it's not just this kind of like, well, intellectual belief. It's a belief that actually leads to action in your life. Trusting in him, placing your trust in him. Say, God, I believe, and I've been talking about this for the last four or five weeks in this series about what is a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Christ, is someone who says this. They say, say, Jesus, what's the question? The answer is yes. That's how much we trust him. And so when we come to Christ, it says, if you will confess with your mouth, you're a sinner, that there's no way that you can come to God without, be right with God without, without him being in your life, and, and you need, uh, need a Savior, and you believe in your heart and you trust in that, it says what? You will be saved. So what was your number on the top of the page? A 10? A 1? Somewhere in between? I'm going to ask the band to come on out right now. And we're going to do something a little different. We did last service. And, and um, one of the things I want to do is I want you to think about this whole deal of, of what it means to follow Christ. And, and there's two things I, I'm going to ask us today. I think there comes times in our life when we have to take a stand for some things. Because I want to tell you, the most important decision in your life that you will make is not the decision about who you'll marry. It's not the most important decision. It's not about you know, what job you're going to do, even though those are hugely important decisions. The most important decision is about who am I going to trust my life to. Who am I going to place my trust in, my faith in? And I believe today, I hopefully, from looking at God's word, it's very clear that he simply says, confess and believe. Confess and believe. Admit we're a sinner. We need it. We're a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. I need to trust, put my trust in him and follow him. And in doing so, the Bible says, when we do that, God wipes away all of our sin, past, present, future. And we can be right with him. We don't have to sit around and worry all the time. So this morning, as we close our song, our band's going to just play a song. I'm going to pray and then we'll play a song. And I just want you to remain seated. And as we do that, I want, I want one of two decisions this morning. There's going to be somebody here on each side at the front. You can come on down. Then there's hammers and nails up here. And if you today 
Number one, you're going like, well, you know, I didn't really understand that. Years ago, I didn't make a commitment to Christ, and, and I always, I was like, a, today I wrote down a five or a six. I wasn't really sure a seven. And today, maybe for the first time, I'm, and I really understand, and I want to commit myself fully to God. I want to recommit. It's not like I'm becoming a Christian for the first time, but, but I just want to trust in God more fully and recommit myself to Him. Then I want you to come and take that sheet of paper just like I did earlier, and just nail it to the cross as a way of committing yourself to him. But for many of you this morning, you couldn't write down a date when it had spiritual birthday because you're not sure. But today, hopefully, you understand what it means to step across the line and say yes to Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do right now is I want to lead us in a prayer, and I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And let's just, just pray this prayer. And, then, and if you want to say these things to God in your heart, you don't have to do it out loud. Just do it uh, between you and God. Uh, you might want to follow along with this. You've never done this before. God, I admit to you I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus, I believe that you're that Savior. I believe that what the Bible says about you is true. I believe it so much. That it's not just going to be something head knowledge that I have anymore. It's going to be heart knowledge. It's going to be something that moves there. And it moves me to, to trust in you with my whole life. God, I won't do it imperfectly. I won't do it perfectly. It's going to be imperfect in how I'll carry it out. But God, today, beginning today, I want to turn to you and, and, and allow you to become the Savior of my life. I want to be able to put 10. Yes, I'm absolutely sure that my sins are forgiven. And my eternity is sealed with you, God. Because I want to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that what you say is true. Now this morning, if you prayed that prayer and you didn't have a date down, but you want to say that to Jesus Christ, what you need to put down is August 26th, 2012. On the line, it says spiritual birthday. August 26, 2012. In our first service, seven people did that. And I believe there's people here that need to do the same thing today to, to be sure and to say, God, I understand maybe for the first time clearly what it means to follow Christ. And I want to make a commitment. And if you've done that today, as the others who are making a recommitment by saying, God, I understand that I want to just trust in you fully, God, and recommit myself to you, come and nail their papers to the cross, what I want you to do is come and do the same thing today as well. Saying is a way of committing yourself to God and to his purpose and his plans. So right now our band is going to play in the background, just acoustically in a quiet time. And uh, you just feel free to get up and come forward and... And uh, there'll be someone here to give you a nail and a hammer, and you can nail it to the cross and make it right with God right now. I want to encourage you if um, you came forward this morning, and even if you didn't and you prayed a prayer and you wrote down today is the day where I want to, August 26th, 2012 is on yours. I want to encourage you to tell someone about that. I mean, let them know because it's something to celebrate. That's the most important decision you could ever make. And if you'd like to talk to somebody about what that means and next steps and whatever, there's people going to be over in our prayer room, which is going to be over in our youth area today. 
uh, over going through those doors out that way following our service this morning. Um, thank you for um, being bold and uh, stepping forward. Um, I think it's important sometimes to do that. We don't do very, very, very often. We don't do come forward uh, altar calls at Great Oaks, but we're going to do them every once in a while to encourage people to make stands for Christ. So this morning, let's just uh, pray for all the... Uh, God knows exactly where your heart is. And um, he will take you where you need to go if you trust in him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness and your graciousness to us. For the fact that you have us, give us mercy. You don't give us what we deserve, which is separation for you, from you for all of eternity because of the sin in our life. But God, you chose in your own goodness and your own love to offer us freely a gift that we never could earn or deserve. And that is salvation. And that is ability to have a relationship with, with you that changes the way we live life every day, but also gives us hope for eternity, not only hope, but a certainty of living with you for eternity with you once we go from this earth. Guide us this morning, God, as we go from this place, that we would live out these commitments daily with you, God. Help us to connect with other people and share with them and say, hey, help me to stay on track with this. And um, God, we pray that as you continue to help us through this process, of growing in Christ and taking our next step with you, that you would help show us clearly what the next step would be. Whether it be baptism, whether it be serving in some area, whether it be just committing some more areas of our life to you that we've not, that we've held back from you, God. Guide us in all we do and say this morning, and we give you the praise and the glory because only you can change hearts and minds. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our closing song.